A quick reminder, the hosts of this show are employees of Mach 1 Financial Group. This podcast is for informational purposes only and nothing said on the show should be taken as investment advice. Employees and clients of Mach 1 Financial Group may maintain positions in the securities or strategies discussed. Hello and welcome to the Mach 1 Market Moment where we provide financial information on topics such as investing, insurance, financial planning, and everything related to your money. This is episode number 42 And today we're going to talk about consumer spending, demographics, how those two things impact the market, and just kind of where we're headed from a market standpoint with some of the risks out there and some of the topics or conversations that we're having um, with clients today. So before we jump in, this is Matt Walters and I'm with David Lee and Natalie Wilson. David, how are you doing today? Doing great. Excited to talk about uh, today's topic. We've, as you know, Matt, we've been getting a lot of questions from clients, especially post-election, wondering and, you know, wondering where this market might be headed. So this is a really important topic that we're going to be talking about today. Absolutely. Natalie, our marketing director, how are you doing? I'm doing great. It's my favorite day of the week. (laughs) Podcast day. Oh, yeah. (laughs) All right. So like David said, this is something that we we get asked about a lot. It's I, I think it's when anyone meets with their advisor, one of their first thoughts are kind of like, what do you expect to happen? moving forward where do you think the market is a year from yeah. now you know it's what everybody wants yeah, to know that's like, what everybody's asking and so and it's always it's always a valid question but we find ourselves at this kind of unique point in time where just a lot of things are happening i guess it's not necessarily unique but there's this inflection point of new policies new administration yep. we've went through a global pandemic you know all of these things are kind of coming to a head or a lot of them and people are wondering you know how does this all unfold yeah right and so specific to I guess let me open up. Where do you want to start with that? Like, what's the first thing that comes to mind? Well, the first thing that comes to mind is to to the point of what you were just saying is change in general is destabilizing and and can be um, discomforting to a lot of people. Most people, let's face it, don't like change, and that makes them nervous, especially when it comes to uh, their investments. And typically, we're going to talk a lot about this today. When whenever an administration takes charge, that you disagree with like you know i think most of our clients understand i'm as conservative as they come and and i'm not a fan of this current administration but that doesn't necessarily mean that the market is necessarily going to implode just because i don't like the current or don't agree with the current administration right so so that's been a common topic because most of our most of our clients tend to be conservative certainly not all of them but a majority of our clients are conservatives and so we've had a lot of questions from our conservative clients wondering, you know, should I, should I pull my money out of the market because of, you know, what's going on politically? And the answer is no, because, you know, you think, think about, you know, through history, you know, if you're, even if you're in a quote unquote old person, you're maybe, you're maybe in your eighties and think about what a, for lack of a better illustration, what a soda straws view of history you have compared to the whole right. timeline of history, you know? So, um, things go in cycles and, um, and you shouldn't, um, uh, you shouldn't assume that just because things are going in a cycle that you don't agree with right now, that that's necessarily going to be bad economically. So one of the things I've been talking with, with clients a lot about is, so let's talk about two scenarios because the truth is there's always two scenarios, no matter what's going on. There's a scenario where, economically speaking now, where things could go really good or things could go really south. 
and that always exists. That's always the case. So let's talk about a couple of the few positive scenarios that we see. So number one, and for those of you who've been clients for a while, you've heard me talk about the demographic theory of consumer spending. It's not my theory. It's a Harvard-trained economist named Harry Dent that came up with this, but I read his one of his books years ago, and it's like a light bulb went off in my head. And basically he said, look, 70% of the U.S. GDP is consumer spending. And we, so if consumers are spending more money, the economy is going to be growing because that's 70% of it. Well, at what age or stage of life, is there an age or stage of life where the American consumer is spending the most money? The answer is yes. And it tends to be in their mid-40s to mid-50s. There's a variety of reasons for that, right, Matt? I mean, um, it tends to be when your earning power is peaking. So right. naturally, your earnings are going up, so your spending tends to follow. It also tends to be when... The kids are the most expensive right before they, God willing, roll off your payroll onto, you know, becoming, uh, you know, independent, self-sufficient. So for a variety of reasons, consumer spending peaks in the mid-40s to mid-50s. So if you know that 70% of U.S. GDP comes from consumer spending and those consumers spend the most in their mid-40s to mid-50s, you can look at birth rate trends 45 to 50 years ago. And if birth rates are increasing year over year, guess what that means today? means you're going to have rising numbers of people in their peak spending time of life, which is going to translate to rising consumer spending year over year. So, um, so where does that put us today? Well, we had the, we all know about the baby boom, 1945 to 1962, we had rising birth rate trends year over year on a 45 year lag, 1945 plus 45 is 1990 throughout the 1990s. We had a booming economy. Primarily, I would argue, because the baby boomers were hitting the peak spending time of their life. So you had a booming economy throughout the 90s. Now, granted, there were, at the end of the 90s, 2000, 2001, there was the tech bubble. We right. Most of us remember that one. Um, and, then, um, and then the market kind of recovered from that and kept going back up to about 2007. And then from 2007 to roughly 2016, we had a relatively slow growing economy. You may even remember the Obama administration was talking about how we all need to get used to a 2% or less GDP growth, right? Um, well, if you look at birth rate trends, I think that can explain a lot of why that is. 1962, the baby boom officially ended. And from 62 to 1973, birth rates went down year over year. We call it the baby bust. 1962 to 73. So on a 45-year lag, that translates to roughly 2007 to 2018. So you could have predicted that we were going to have a relatively slow-growing economy over that period of time, and that's what we had. In fact, we had the housing bubble burst, and then uh, and then every and then that slow recovery from that. Well, the good news is, and that brings us to today, 1973 to roughly 1991, we have what's called the echo boom where birth rates once again increased year over year from roughly 73 to roughly 91. Well, 73 on a 45-year lag, again, translates to 2018. So from 2018-ish to sometime in the 2030s, you would expect to see a growing, a steadily growing U.S. economy due to that demographic spend rate. Yeah, so, and that's all, that's all really good information, kind of looking back at history. One thing that we have to be aware of. And I think that's a good thing to, for people to keep in mind is 
even if we, let's say we have a 10 15 year period of economic growth right that that does not mean that the stock market because the economy and the True. stock market are two things the stock market won't have its many booms and busts or couldn't have its ups and downs within that period does you know it'll likely trend upwards with the yeah. economy but it doesn't mean it's a straight line that's right exactly and that's right. what a lot of people want or expect yeah everybody wants and expects or wants the straight line growth but right you you need to understand if you're in the market, it's not a straight line growth, right? That demographic theory that I just covered, Harry Dent's demographic theory, is a good way to kind of have a general expectation of whether the trend line is going to be up or down over periods of time based on that demographic. But you're going to have you're going to have you're going to have booms and you're going to have ups and downs within right. that bull market cycle, right? You're even going to have ups during the down market cycle. Sure. Yeah. So. Uh, case in point, I kind of mentioned one of them was the tech bubble burst. You wouldn't, if you just looked at demographics, you would not have expected that to happen. But it's it's going to happen. You're going to have bust even in a bull market, right? What we call a secular bull market, right? Right. So yeah. So there's definitely other factors that go into. It. So where, let's look at where we are specific to today. So we have the demographics that you just laid out, yeah, beautifully dem- for us. The inflation. Um, risk everyone's kind of talking about with the interest rates. How's the Fed? You know, we just had the Fed come out yesterday and talk about they're going to, they plan on keeping rates where they're at or as low as possible through 2023. Um, But that doesn't necessarily mean inflation won't go up. You know, where are we at today? And do you think there, what are the known risks? There's always the unknown risk. But what are the known risks that you think in the short term are things we need to just kind of be on the lookout for? Well, you hit on one of the big ones, which is inflation. Uh, Now, the counter, the the positive to that, though, real quick, because I think what I'm about to talk about helps to explain the risk of inflation. One of the other positives besides besides the demographic tailwind that I see is um, just the world reopening back up from, from COVID, right? I mean, all these people have been, people have been getting their stimulus checks. The market's been going up. So the world's kind of a wash with money, right? Or at least the United States is, is really a wash with all this cash right now. And people have, people have got all this money, but have had nowhere to spend it because the world's been closed down. Now, as the world starts to, hopefully with the vaccine and everything, the world starts to open back up. I think number one, you're going to see a boom in the tourism industry is what I fully anticipate. So Tourism stocks could probably be a, a good area to consider, most likely. But but there's also a counter to that. As as a almost infinite supply of money starts to chase a finite supply of goods and services, in this case, you know, I mentioned travel. Right. What do you think is going to happen to the price of yeah. of things? It's going to go, go up to throttle that demand. It's just basic supply and demand. Well, that's also inflation, right? right. So yeah, I mean, I think uh, the world opening back up is a positive and even the stimulus dollars, you know, we, we talked last week uh, about the stimulus in depth. Well, in the short term, that creates kind of a, a sugar high, so to speak, for the economy, because that again, creates consumer spending from the stimulus checks. Um, but the negative could be inflation. Right. Yeah, and I, absolutely. I think one thing, you know, the market's kind of out ahead of where the, the economy has been, right? Yes. The economy's lagging where the stock market has been. But that also doesn't mean that the stock market has to go through a crash right. to come back. Because we've seen, if you look back at history, there are plenty of times where there's just, there's growth, but, you know, it's more 
muted growth. It's muted growth, right? And so it like allows the economy to kind of catch up. So just because we're at, you know, market highs, everybody, not everybody, but I think the natural instinct is to think, well, there's a, there's this, there has to be this corresponding yeah. crash immediately yeah. following. Yeah. And that's not the case. Yeah. In fact, you and I were talking last week about how in the nineties, we had that huge run up, run up that I just kind of alluded to earlier. And I can't remember the year you told it was, me about that. I think the first like headline that I could find going back was like in 95. Yeah. And it was talking about how we were on the cusp of a, you know, huge market crash. Yeah. And then the preceding five years that I know, you know, the NASDAQ and the S&P like compounded at like 20 something percent. Yeah. Year over year for like five more years. Yeah. Right. Yeah. So just because people are talking about it doesn't mean it's going to come to ha- yeah, to I mean, fruition. You've heard the old saying, the market can remain irrational longer than you can remain solvent. Well, that, that applies to the market going down. In other words, the, the market can keep going down to a point that's irrationally low, but the market can do the opposite too, right? Yeah, absolutely. And this is all, you can tie a lot of this back to our, our general investment philosophy and why you want to hedge and use certain um, investment you know, principles for long-term investing, but it's a constant reminder, you know, when I get asked the question of, well, should we make any, should we get more conservative now or should we be in the market? Should we be out? I think the first thing we need to do is remind ourselves or ask ourselves, are we, are we still long-term investors? Yeah. If so, you want to stay invested. If there's money that you know you're going to need in the short term, in the next year or two, couple years, that money probably doesn't need to be invested. But that That's is, right. that that is not because of the time that we're in. That's the case regardless of where the market's at. That's right. Right. And so if you're, you're long-term, your, your money that you want to keep invested, you know, um, you don't want to play the game of getting in and out. And so, and I think to your point, Matt, the, uh, the philosophy of always being hedged, the strategy of using hedging allows our clients to stay invested even if you're a little uncomfortable with how high the market may be, right? Right. Because you know that you've got that hedge of protection there that's going to limit your downside loss. And also having a portion of your account in a zero risk investment like an indexed annuity, that also kind of helps alleviate that fear of, gosh, what if the sky starts to fall tomorrow? So, but, but the important thing is staying invested on a portion of your accounts. That's what's going to serve you in the long run. Absolutely. Yeah, there's... I should have brought the charts, but today to, to give some specific numbers, but David, you see, seen these same things of looking back over the last couple of decades, if you just missed like the, the 20 best days in the market, if you were, if you had gotten out and just missed like the 20 best days, your return is like 30 or 40% lower. Yeah. Just missing like the, uh, the two or three best. Yeah. Uh, and know, weeks were case in point of that is again, I kind of led the discussion with, just because you disagree with the current administration doesn't mean you should say, oh my gosh, the sky is falling. Right. Because I would have not predicted that the market would have done what it's done since the election in November. But it's gone it's gone up significantly since the election, which yeah. is totally counter to what I would have anticipated. The important thing is staying invested because it, even being out of the market for a relatively short period of time, if you miss one of those big run-ups like we've had since November, it significantly reduces your return. Yeah. Then it also, the other thing is it catches you in a trap because the market keeps going up, up, up. You're on the sidelines in cash waiting for it to go down. And you eventually start to say, well, 
well, when should I get back in? Right. And what usually happens is people get back in at the wrong time and then they get hurt. Yep. Yeah, absolutely. And something I heard somebody else say the other day, I think it was on a podcast I was listening to is, you know, reminder that there, there are long-term investors and people in wall street that are both on the red team and the blue team, yeah. but everybody's on the green team, right? <laughs> I mean, everybody just wants to make money. That's so true. regardless of your political opinion, yeah. everybody from an investing standpoint wants to, wants make, to money. make money. It's not yeah. like, you know, so, so just keeping that in mind that whether, you know, Democrats are in control of things or there's certain democratic policies being pushed through or Everybody just wants to make money That's when you're true. looking at it through an investing lens. That's true. And so um, trying to predict what's not only trying to predict what's going to happen, but when it's going to happen is literally impossible. It's fool's gold. So, so yeah. yeah. Because if you try to time the market and predict what's going to happen, when it's going to happen, let's say that you you um, you said, oh, I think the market's going to go down. So let's get out and go to cash. Well, you got to be right that time. And then you also got to be right the next time of when's it low and you're going to get back in. And then you got to be right the next time again about when to get out. So you yeah. got to be right an infinite number of times for that to work out for you. And right. it's impossible. Yeah. And one of, my, one of my pet peeves is like forecasts is when you see, yeah. especially yeah. short term for forecasts. It's like, yeah. this is where we think the S&P is going to be at the end of 20, you know, 21. You know, when people, when I get that question, I typically say, the only thing I'll commit to is I think over the next 10 years, the market will be a little higher than it is today. Yeah. And yeah. what that looks like, I'm not going to try to get any more right. into how more it's going to get there. there. Exactly. Who knows? Yeah. Right. But, and here again, not to beat a dead horse, but this again is where I love the idea, our strategy of how we hedge, because if something happens and the market falls apart, we can actually profit from that. You know, I've, I've talked a lot about how we use, think of a hedge on your stock portfolio as like you would think of your homeowner's insurance policy as a hedge against the risk of your house burning down. So how is it that we can use the hedges to profit if the market really goes south? Well, imagine the following scenario. Um, you've lived in your home for a while. Your, your roof is getting old and you start to see forecasts that this weekend we're going to have really bad storms and maybe even some hell. What are you hoping for? Catastrophic new roof. <laughs> you're hoping storm the storm is through. bad enough yeah. that you're going to get a new roof from your insurance company, right? Absolutely. So if it's just a kind of bad storm that knocks a few trees down or a few limbs down in your yard, is that going to cost you some money to have that cleaned up that, that your insurance company policy is not going to cover? Yeah. But so what? Well, at least it didn't destroy your home. You know, you can recover from that. But if it's a, just a bad enough storm where it gives you a new roof, you're, you're like, all right. That worked. So that's the same way that think of it that way. That's how we can use hedging to really profit, make a profit for our clients in hard times. Right, Matt? Absolutely. Yeah. It's not that we're hoping for the market to, to, you know, go down, but there is a lot of opportunity yeah. in that, in those, in There's those opportunity created in those short-term storms, kind of like a hell storm coming yeah. when you need a new roof, you can, you can capitalize on that. So not only does the hedging allow you to stay invested for the long term so that you don't and give you the peace of mind to stay invested for the long term so that you don't miss those short term run ups, which can significantly reduce your return if you miss them. But it also allows us to capitalize on those catastrophes or, or storms that inevitably come with the market. Like COVID was a storm that hit the market last March and our clients profited big time from that storm. Yeah. We, right. we got a new roof, so to speak, from from the COVID storm right. last year. 
a lot of fortunes are made in recessions. You know, That's fortunes right. are lost and fortunes are made. That's true. Um, so we always want to be prepared for regardless of what's going to happen, just uh, staying invested and ultimately sticking to the plan that we've created, right? Yeah. And not trying to get too much into the predicting game. So any other thoughts? We kind of bounced around a lot there on just where, you know, where the economy is, is at, what's going on, looking at it from a demographic standpoint, you know, with the birth rates, um, you know, looking 45 years, 45, 50 years back, the risk of inflation picking up. Um, anything else you want to throw in there? For uh, the other, the only other risk we didn't really talk about is, uh, you know, one of the potential risks I see on the horizon is if the liberals try to push through their green energy initiatives too fast, that could cause energy prices, think utility bills, uh, your cost to fill up your gas tank, that could cause those things to go up too far too fast, which crushes consumer spending, which is one of the advantages we have because of the demographics that I explained earlier. So, you know, the green energy initiatives could be a risk and just the liberal agenda of raising taxes, because that also crushes consumer spending. If the if all of your discretionary, discretionary uh, spending dollars are going to taxes or into your gas tank, that crushes the economy. So, right. you know, those are just a couple of other risks we didn't talk about. But again, the theme is you got to have a strategy to stay invested because who knows? We don't, you don't, we don't know which of those scenarios is going to win the negative scenario of taxes, green energy, craziness, inflation, or if stimulus demographic, the demographic spending tailwind or uh, the world reopening, we don't know which of those scenarios is going to win. Right. And so you've got to be invested and have a hedge for the downside, depending on which side wins. Absolutely. All right. Well, I think that was a good summary in general, what we talked about today. So as always, if you have any questions, we'd love to hear from you. You can email us at podcast at mock-onefinancial.com. You can go directly to our web website under the podcast section. Um, we'd love to answer any questions or if you have any topics that you'd like us to discuss, you could submit them to us there. Uh, thank you, Natalie, as always, for producing the show. We really appreciate it. And the thought of the day um, is looking back gives you regrets. Looking ahead gives you opportunities. I think that's a great thought of the day wrapping up today's conversation. So that's it for today. As always, we appreciate you listening to the podcast, and we look forward to you joining us next time on the Mach 1 Market Moment. Mach 1 Financial Group, Inc. Mach 1 is an SEC-registered investment advisor located in Bentonville, Arkansas. Mach 1 may only transact business in those states in which it maintains a notice filing or qualifies for an exemption or exclusion from registration requirements. SEC registration does not constitute an endorsement of the firm by the commission, nor does it indicate that the advisor has attained a particular skill level or ability. Past performance is not a guarantee of future results. All investment strategies have the potential for profit or loss. The information presented is the sole opinion of the speaker and is not meant to be investment advice. Mach 1 does not provide tax or legal advice. You should speak with your tax or legal advisor regarding your specific situation. For full disclosures, please visit www.mock-1financial.com disclosures.